pray again. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come to your word that can speak to us truth and that it is alive and active. And so we pray that we, we treat it as such today. And thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to open it and to read it and to learn from it together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, of course, this past week, um, the, the world, at least, uh, lost Billy Graham. Someone who has preached to literally millions of people the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think that, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was at his last crusade. Um, we went on a mission trip down to New Orleans after Katrina, and they had a uh, crusade there in New Orleans. And I'm pretty sure that was the last one that he had. And yet, still in his, his old age, he was still passionate and still biblical and still on fire for God, and it was a beautiful night to come and to sing and to learn and to hear from him. Uh, one of the quotes that we see uh, from him, maybe one of his most famous quotes, is, is been relevant this week. It said, my home is in heaven, I'm just traveling through this world. This is where he, he spoke these words time and time and time again. So this idea of heaven and this idea of the fact that there's something beyond this world has kind of been at the center of what we've been talking about the last three weeks. This idea that um, there is something beyond this and there's something that we're all invited to. Um, we've been kind of looking at it as a party invitation because the way the Revelation describes it is that there is this wedding feast. And so one last time as we read it every week, there's Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9. There's an opportunity for us to read this and a reminder of what we look forward to. It says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who were invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. And so what we've said over the last few weeks is that if this is a wedding party, and this is a wedding party, then God has sent these invitations as the angel has said. He says, Blessed are those who are invited. So what we've done over the last few weeks is take an individual part of a wedding invitation or a party invitation and applied it to these verses. And so the first thing we talked about was that Jesus has invited the entire world. Jesus, through the blood uh, shed for them through the cross, he has invited everyone to this wedding feast. And then the next week we talked about how there's a need to tell people this. And that is falls squarely on our shoulders. That we get to go tell the story of God that we are his messengers and his ambassadors, that Christ is making his appeal through us. And then last week we talked about the location. And we know that this, what we see here, might not happen in our lifetime, but there is heaven. And heaven is a place that we get glimpses of in Scripture. And so we took a look at some of the facts that we see in Scripture about what heaven is like. And hopefully it gave us a motivation, as Paul says, to make sure that our eyes look heavenward and that it is the motivation behind everything that we do and everything that we say and how we treat others and how we view this world. Heaven needs to be the focal point of that. And at the end, there's one more seat at the table and I invited you to it. And this morning, there's, there's one more part on an invitation. 
It's to RSVP, isn't it? The person throwing the party wants to know if you're coming or not. And so we're going to see this morning that you really have four different reactions or options when it comes to you being invited here. Four different chances. Jesus gives uh, this parable about a great banquet, and no doubt in his mind that there's uh, this foreshadowing, or at least this idea that this banquet is going to happen eventually. And so he tells about a wedding feast. There's a few different uh, accounts of this. It's in Matthew 12 and Luke 14. And, or sorry, Matthew 22 and Luke 14. And so this morning, we're going to kind of bounce back and forth between these two as we discern the options, really, that we have about this invitation that Jesus has sent out. And so we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 22. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king, prepared a a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who have been invited to the banquet tell them to come, but they refused to come. So one thing we need to keep in mind as uh, we read this is that Jesus is speaking very specifically to something that has already happened. <coughs> Throughout the Old Testament, God has sent prophets to turn Israel's hearts back to God. And so he is using this as an illustration to talk about, really foreshadowing, the options that we have about this new covenant that's getting ready to happen. And so what is the first reaction here? The king sends his messengers out and they refuse to come. So the basic reaction that, and one of the reactions you can have to this invitation that God has given you is that you can ignore it. You can ignore it. Because you have free will, because you have a free choice, you can ignore it. What does ignoring it look like? Well, some people might ignore it because it's not relevant. They say, you know, that was 2,000 years ago. That was a Bible time. That's not really applicable to the 21st century. You can ignore it because you don't think it's applicable to you. And this means that you look at your life and you remember everything you think about God and Man, your life just has not done anything that made God happy. You have sinned way too much. You have fallen short way too much. And so you say that there's no way that this message is for you because you're disqualified for whatever this invitation is trying to get from you. So you just reserve that this, this isn't for you. Or maybe you ignore it because you're arrogant. I think this is... Probably the types of what Jesus is trying to get across. Uh, these prophets would come and they would preach to, to Israel. And Israel would just ignore them. Because they were God's people. And they were better than everyone else. And so there was no need for them to turn back to God. They were just fine doing whatever they wanted them to do. And so there's maybe a part of us that when this invitation comes to us, the reason we ignore it is because we're, we're good. I mean, at the end of the day... God's going to look at my life and He's going to see that I did more good than bad. And isn't that, isn't that what we're supposed to do? I mean, isn't that the, the goal of this? Or maybe we look at the call to repent and we say, you know what, I'm already a Christian. I know I kind of do my own thing, but I'm already a Christian. I don't really need this message again. I'm going to pull out my phone and check Facebook this morning during the sermon because, you know, it's for everyone else. It's not for me. I don't need, I don't need to listen to that. And so one thing that you have in your life, or one choice that you have in this invitation, is that you can ignore it. 
Jesus says the king sends people out, and they refuse to come. Matthew continues his account of Jesus' story for his parable. He says, Then he, the king, sent more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. This is where Luke kind of goes into more detail. Luke 14, starting in verse 18. Luke says, But they all like began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, and I cannot come. And so the parable shifts. The king is not just saying, okay, at some point in this future, there's going to be this party. The king has said, the preparations are happening, right? I have killed the animals. The feast is being prepared. In other words, it is imminent. So go and tell these people again that this is really happening. And instead of just refusing it outright and ignoring it, they do the second reaction to this invitation. And they come up with excuses. And they put it off. This invitation comes and they hear about it. And it's not like they don't want to go. They've just got some other things to do first. And so they put it off. So why do we put this invitation off? Why do we put the invitation off that Jesus died for you and he wants a relationship with you? Why do we put the invitation off that Jesus calls us to repent? Maybe we put it off because of our choices. We realize that, you know what, we're having way too good of a time without God. And we really think He'd come in and mess it up. We like the choices that we're making. We're liking the way it makes us feel. It likes, we're liking that relationship that we're having. We like it, and we like doing these things. We like the way that drinking this or taking this makes us feel. And so we like our choices, and, and we know that there's heaven, and we know, maybe even know there's heaven, maybe we know that there's a God, maybe we even know that Jesus died for us, but surely we have time somewhere down the future to change our lives. Because right now, I really like where I'm at. So we put it off. <clears throat> Maybe we put it off Jesus because of our situations. We say things like, you know what, ever since, ever since we had to move back home, uh, you know what, whenever this calms down, we'll get back to it. But whenever our family situation gets better, I mean, I know there's heaven, and I know there's this stuff, and I'm really grateful for this invitation. I just, I just, I just can't do it. My family situation is too crazy. I mean, my coursework in college is, is just, it's just too much. And yeah, I know I could do it Saturday night, but there's fun things to do Saturday night. So I need to do something Sunday. And I, listen, everyone goes through this phase, right? And eventually, you come back to church. So I'm just. Whenever this gets better, I'll, I'll come back. 
Or maybe we put off Jesus because we know that if we put Jesus in our life, He's going to interfere with our dreams and our aspirations. I mean, we know we have planned out our life. And so we know step A through Z for like the next 7,000 years. <laughs> we know exactly what we're going to do. We know exactly how we want things to go. We've got our retirement plan and we know the date and the second that it becomes ours. And we have everything. We're going to go on this vacation and that vacation. And we realize that if we have to come to church or if we have to make Jesus a part of our life, then some of that money is going to go to some other people. And I'm really, really rather just stay with me. Or we say, you know what, I, if Jesus comes into my life, he might rearrange my priorities. And right now, I mean, I've dreamt of this since I was five years old. I don't want anything messing this up. And so I know that probably, God, you are ultimately right. And I really do appreciate this invitation. Just, just not right now. I have things to do. And so maybe that's the reason that we put off repentance and that's the reason we put off being baptized. It's not that we don't think that God's God or that there's heaven or Jesus is even Jesus. It's just, it's just not right. Matthew continues. They seized, that's the people that the servants went to see. They seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And so Jesus is alluding to the fact that unfortunately as you go through the Old Testament, there are a lot of people who spoke God's word who were killed by God's people. Because God's people didn't want to hear it. Now, I know what you're thinking. You've never killed someone, so you're, this does not apply to you. I've never killed someone who's knocked on my door. I've never killed a preacher yet. Um, and so, I, that, this doesn't apply to me. But you know, one of the reactions that you have to this invitation is that you can be hostile to the message and the messengers. So why do we do that? We're hostile because... How dare someone judge us? I mean, if someone's coming and saying you need to go to church or that you need Jesus, they're implying that they are up in this ivory tower looking down on pathetic old me. And because I am messing up, that's why they're here. And who in their right, who has the right to judge me? I mean, we're even going to quote scripture here. Look at the log in your own eye. Like we are that that dead set against the fact that we are in the right. Yeah, we're not perfect, but how dare someone come and tell us we need Jesus? How dare someone come and say, hey, we haven't seen you in church for a little while. How dare someone come and say that you're doing wrong? Isn't that ridiculous? And so we throw out words like bigot. Because they're judging Maybe we're hostile because what we follow and what we know Jesus stands for can't coexist. And so because we want to be addicted to this, or because we don't want to stop looking at that on my computer, or because whatever, instead of just ignoring it, we decide to take things into our own hands and we just... <coughs> 
hour. And so we just start blaming Jesus. Maybe Jesus isn't that good. I mean, if, if a loving God... Don't go blame Because the way I see it and the way God sees it is different. How dare you come and invite me to this? We get mad. Or maybe deep down we're hostile because we just don't believe that it's true. We believe that the things in these books, they have great principles, great stories, but it's on par with the last fiction book that we read. I mean, deep down inside, we just don't think that it's true. We don't think that Jesus is the Son of God. We're not even sure that there is a God. I mean, hasn't science disproven that by now? So we just get angry. And so the thing is, this morning, you have the very real choice of ignoring this invitation. Because we get the impression that that's what Israel did. Time after time, a prophet came and he preached and he taught and they killed him or they ignored him or they put off what he was saying and never got around to it. And so that was their choice. But you see, the king in this story is not satisfied with just a few people coming to this wedding. Going back to Matthew 22, it says, Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but I am, those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone that you find. Luke picks up here. He says, The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servants, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. And so, putting it into the proper context, God now says, go get everyone. I have appealed to my people, I have appealed to my people, and they have rejected me, and they have killed my messengers, and they have done all this. Go invite everyone. And so there's a fourth reaction to this invitation. And that's to realize that God still invites you. No matter what you've done. And no matter if you have fit this category even 35 seconds ago, that you were hostile to God or putting off God or ignoring God, God's love for you has not changed. His desire to see you saved has not changed. And so God has invited everyone, no matter where they are, what they've done, or who they are. He wants you to experience His love and His grace and that has not been deterred by maybe you putting him off. And it has not been deterred by you ignoring him. And somehow, someway, because God is not like us and he is all loving, it has not been deterred by the fact that maybe even you have been hostile to him. Or to church. God still wants you. And he wants you at this thing. There's one more important thing we need to note this morning. 
We're going to finish in Matthew 22. It says, So the servants went out to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friends? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. You see, what's so important about this invitation is that you can't sneak into this wedding. There's no bouncer you can pay off. There's no back door you can go through. This past week, my son and I and one of his friends went to an Ohio State basketball game. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> we went to an Ohio State basketball game. We had a good time. And there's a, we had a dilemma, right? Because we don't really own Ohio State stuff. And so we were trying to figure out what exactly should we wear there. And I was like, well, we're, we probably just need to, I don't know. So we just got some John Glenn shirts, and we put John Glenn shirts on, and we went to the game. And the funny thing is, these guys who were working the game, they would ignore all the Ohio State people that came in. But because we had John Glenn stuff on, they were like, hey, you all had a great basketball team two years ago. Or they would ask, how was the traffic on the way from New Concord? And they would ask questions. They would ignore everyone else, because everyone else kind of looked the same. We kind of stood out. Now, I would say that if we wore our blue, they probably would have been like, what are you doing here? <laughs> You've gotten lost. They probably wouldn't have been happy. And I guarantee you that the camera, the Big Ten Network would have found me and my son and put us on there like, what are these two losers doing here? Like, we, we would have stuck out, right? There's no, there's no blending in. When you're not wearing red, because the other team was Rutgers, so they were red. So if you're not wearing red, you're going to stick out. And the Bible tells us that everyone at this feast is wearing white. And we see in Revelation that it's white because the blood of Jesus has cleared Jesus on. You don't get it. And this isn't something you get a redo on. You don't get to get kicked out and eventually come back in. If you get kicked out, you're out. Well, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Kind of a literal interpretation of it is where every second is worse than the last one. And the last one was the worst you've ever felt. And so, this morning, I'm going to invite you to RSD. Usually on a party invitation, it says, let us know by the Tuesday before or a week before. The thing is that for each of us, that date is different. We don't know when that last chance that we have to make this decision is. We may feel like we've had entire lives ahead of us, but unfortunately we know in this world that that's not how this goes. And so the only guaranteed time that you have to RSVP is right now. I figured we'd book in today's sermon with another quote from Billy Graham. 
You see, God proved his love on the cross when Christ hung and bled and died. It was God saying to the world, I love you. John said it first in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believed in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, you can ignore that. And you can put that on. You might even get mad. Or, you can realize that that means that God loves you so much. But knowing everything that you would do, he still willingly died for you on the cross. And so this morning, I invite you to tell God that you want to be here. And we do that by saying, I'm tired of living life on my own and making the decisions I'm making instead. Instead, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I accept him as the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to be obedient to him and back to his Lord. That's something that represents and shows my, my commitment to him. That I want to die to my old self, be born again. So this morning, if you've never made that decision, or if this morning you need to repent and say, I'm tired of doing this my own way, I'd love to talk to you over stand up here this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given opportunities to all who would come. No matter our background, no matter the choices that we made, no matter the choices that we made 36 minutes ago, 36 years ago, 36 seconds ago, your, your invitation is still to come just as we are. To come and to have a relationship with you. Something that you willingly die for. And accepting you is the only way that we get to be with you. There are no multiple ways. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, Father, I pray that today we wouldn't put it off, that we wouldn't ignore it, we wouldn't be mad, that we would just be overwhelmed with love, and that we would say, I want to be there. Father, move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.